Welcome to the CE Pro Podcast. I'm Executive Editor Arlen Schweiger. This week, we're looking back on the editors of CE Pro's favorite podcast moments from 2022. Myself, Senior Editor Bob Archer, Editor-in-Chief Jason Knott, and Web Editor Nick Bover all hosted guests on the CE Pro Podcast in 2022. And while we'd say all the conversations were gems, of course, we have moments that stand out more than others. So stay tuned for highlights from these episodes featuring guests Chris Pinder of HD Anywhere, Brian Hoyer of Shield Shield Healing, the ISF's Joel Silver, Harm and Luxury Audio's Jim Garrett, and David Lai of Iveda, who we start with as he discusses how AI will impact living in place and senior care. As always, be sure to subscribe to CE Pro's YouTube channel and hit that like button on our videos, or subscribe to the CE Pro podcast on Apple and Spotify and leave a review. Iveda's core uh, starts with um, what we hear now in the industry, the term IoT, uh, the Internet of Things. And we have a lot of things that measure data, right? That is all connected over IP into the Internet. So I'm just trying to make sense of terms that everybody hears. Iveda has sensors, uh, Nick, similar to you know, almost a decade ago, we heard about smart homes, right? And we would buy kits, uh, either DIY kits, or we would have um, integrators or your local security companies come by and install uh, sensors in your doors, your windows, your thermostats, uh, you know, water sensors. It just keeps tabs of what's happening, what's moving around the home. Well, if you you kind of extend that concept a little further, Iveda Care uh, just takes it up a notch, leveraging almost the I- ideal yet similar uh, sensors. We add a little bit more to it from motion of all the objects around the house, uh, the ingress, egress, doors, windows, um, people, animals, etc. Here's where the difference lies. Unlike past technology, where it was simply a trigger and a alert. That's wonderful. You knew what happened, but then what, right? You're at work, so the door opened. <laughs> You're not going to, not much you can do, but just know. Uh, what's, what's happening now is we're applying intelligence uh, with an AI backend. The same data that used to alert you and I that, hey, something moved, something moved over here, something moved over there. It's good to know, but we ourselves couldn't do anything. So with the assistance of artificial intelligence, what's different now is all those sensors that are generating those alerts at home and the people that are moving around at home from one section of the home to another, opening up a drawer, medicine cabinet, utilizing the the restroom, sitting on the sofa, all that is now really relevant data, Nick. Iveta Care it has an AI backend with an app that doesn't alert you when something just moves. This is how it's going to work. The service provides you. You and I are sitting here at work, and it's at it's going to go ahead and tell you at 9:30. It chooses because it learns the lifestyle and our uh, uh, movements over time. It's going to say, "Mom is doing well today." That's what it's going to say. Mom is doing well today. Why? She woke up at normal time at around nine o'clock. The front door opened twice. That meant she went in and out. She went to the restroom multiple times, visited the kitchen, 
sat in the sofa for just 20 minutes, got up and moved around again. Looks like she's doing okay at this point in time. That's the new kind of alert assisted by AI with Ayurveda Care. Long gone the days of, hey, there's motion. Great. <laughs> so what, right? So the AI makes an assessment of activity and then uh, provides a, a uh, measure of, you know, normal or abnormal uh, activity. And then it alerts you and I on the day-to-day. The longer it works with you, the more it adapts to our lifestyle. Next up, Jim Garrett of Harmon Luxury Audio looks forward to the fun of playing live music in front of attendees at CD Expo 2022. Garrett, a drummer, was part of the roster of industry musicians who made up the CE Pro All-Star Band, which also included our lefty guitarist, Bob Archer. For me, I, whatever you want me to play is what I'm going to play because I just like to play. <laughs> so I, uh, I've played, you know, almost all of these songs before. Many of them are we play in the the band that I'm currently in. So uh, for me, it's really more just let's get on stage and have some fun. I think as you know, we we talked about with the guys before when you you get a group of guys playing music together i'm one of those people it's like we're playing to an empty room i'd be okay with it but as long as we're playing well and you're connecting musically you've you create something special and then when you do that and the band's having fun the audience is going to have fun and then when you're playing songs that they know you know this set list that we've got put together it, definitely a lot of songs everybody's going to know there are as tim says a couple of deep cuts we're going to pull out but it's just going to be a fun time and you know when you get we're having fun on stage people are out there dancing and singing along with it that's to me is going to make every song fun so i'm just looking forward to the time we start to the time we finish in the next clip archer chats with joel silver ceo and lead developer for the imaging science foundation who points out how the performance of today's home theater systems matches or exceeds the performance levels of commercial cinema where you can light up the screen it becomes beyond theatrical so a couple of wonderful things happening number one and this is a byproduct of covid the lack of movie theater attendance is obvious what's not obvious is the quality of the streams that are coming our way and it's not obvious because the system is in most people's homes can't take advantage of the streams uh, not enough HDR out there right now, but those of us who are fortunate to have HDR systems at the vanguard of things, and if they're tuned properly where the absolute values are visible on screens, the tail is now wagging the dog. We're not trying to catch up the movie theaters, which we did for the first 20 years of our company. We just wanted to get as close to commercial theaters as possible for the best commercial theaters. Guys, we're exceeding the theaters. We're way beyond them in luminance. We're way beyond them in audio quality. I mean, the amount of dollars spent per cubic foot in homes exceeds theatrical. The amount of dollars spent per square inch of screen exceeds theatrical. Wellness continues to be a trending tech area. And here, Jason Knott talks to Brian Hoyer, owner of Shielded Healing, who explains the potential detrimental health effects from electromagnetic interference in the home potentially generated by many of the technology and solutions installed by the integrator. So let me ask you another question that I know it's gonna be on the top of mind for integrators is now we're talking about this uh, this uh, electromagnetic interference. Is that something that also can affect other systems in the home? Because integrators are obviously now installing lots of wireless audio, lots of wireless control systems. Is that have an effect or is it just on such a different frequency it doesn't really matter? 
That's a great question. And, you know, this is something that's been controversial among physicists for a while, but because of all the advances in the lighting industry, and it's just, I always tell people in the wellness industry, you know what, I have the most hope for the lighting industry because they're the ones that are realizing that that non-ionizing radiation actually has a significant biological effect. And classic physicists, you know, for, you know, decades have thought that it's only ionizing radiation that causes disease. Well, visible light is on, is on the non-ionizing spectrum and it can cause a deviation from normal function for sure. That's a, that's a, that's a, you can take that to the bank. That's absolutely hundred percent completely true by all the studies that we see out there on how blue light affects melatonin. And so it kind of throws that whole idea that, that non-ionizing radiation cannot have an effect on the, on human biology. And, uh, and with that, it kind of opens the door. Okay. Well, what other types of effects do other, these other frequencies have as well that we've never been exposed to before. And so, and there's actually a loads of information on this, uh, from, from different organizations, even government organizations, you know, a lot of people don't know that the world health organization classifies radio frequency radiation as a type two B carcinogen, the same category as cigarettes. And so, um, in, in high amounts, it can be carcinogenic and cause disease, but a, a lot of people are approaching this from the allopathic paradigm where we're looking at what causes disease and not necessarily what causes dysfunction in the body. And so the parameters, the variables, a lot of the tests aren't set up to look at, okay, does it, does it decrease the amount of sleep that you get? Does it cause headaches? Does it cause these other things? They're looking at a diagnosis as an end result rather than a symptom or quality of life, energy, those sorts of things. And so that's one of the advantages of having human centric lighting, but also, um, coming at this perspective of what's a more ancestral environment is, and does it have a biological effect at all is that yes, wireless radiation does have an effect. It it can cause a leaky blood brain barrier. A lot of people have uh, symptoms of ringing in the ears. And when there's placed in a room that's shielded in a shielded Faraday cage, there's been, there's been many cases that, that we've seen where the ringing in the ears just completely disappears once they're in that environment. And so there's this, there's this neurosurgeon that did, did this study with rats. Uh, his name is Dr. Alan Frey. Uh, and uh, he's known for this, the Frey effect, where there's this ring in the ears, this audible ring from radio frequency radiation. And uh, in the study, he had two groups of rats and exposed one group to uh, 2.4 gigahertz radiation, which is what you'd be using in a lot of these, these integrations. Uh, and it, and in the group that, uh, and in one of the groups that caused a, an immediate uh, leakage of the blood brain barrier and the other group, it didn't, the one that was not exposed. And so they did that by injecting methylene blue dye into the femoral artery and then monitoring this. And uh, we know that this is absolutely completely true because there's some scientists in, uh, in, in Europe that actually use radio frequency to cause the blood brain barrier to to become leaky so that they can administer different drugs and do experiments and things like that. So there's specific frequencies that they use to cause the blood brain barrier to be permeable. And these are some issues that people have when with neurological diseases, like, like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's is they, they have a, a leaky blood brain barrier. So, um, you know, 
without getting into the diagnosis too much, the goal really is to, to have, have people put in environments that are more ancestral and mimic that just for the sake of what we don't know. And there are, there is a lot of studies that show what we do know. And, and uh, also a lot of anecdotal evidence, which I've been uh, mentioning a lot as well. Finally, my favorite podcast conversation took place with a pair from across the pond, HD Anywhere's Chris Pinder and together for cinema's Ian Morish, who recounted Chris's grueling ultramarathon run in the Sahara Desert he endured as a fundraiser for the group. I started training about 10 months before I went to visit a guy in the UK who'd done it 15 times, like a legend of the race called Rory Coleman. And he's, you know, the first time I met him, he said, you know, what's your marathon time? And I said, I haven't, I haven't never run a marathon. And he was like, okay, what's your half marathon time? And I said, I've never run a half marathon. And he was like, are you for real? This rate, people train for three years to do this race. It's like, the equivalent of six marathons. Do we have yes, that right? Six marathons in six days. And he That's said, he just said, look, Chris, if you can't, I'll be honest with you. you I think you're, you know, you're wasting your time. If you I'll tell you what, don't waste your money paying me to coach you unless you can do six marathons in six days before Christmas, which was only a few months away by that point. He said, you know, you're not, you're not going to, it's no point you even heading to the Sahara. You're, you're never going to do it. And, and that kind of, maybe he understood that I was a competitive person. So I was like, okay, yeah, six marathons and six days before Christmas. I'll show you, I can do that. And then um, I hit the training pretty hard and I gave up, alcohol and bread and started running nearly 100 miles a week <laughs> pretty much instantly just just had to do it and and there's a there's a video on um on um on youtube if you follow me on instagram uh, i think it's chris underscore pinder underscore um there's some videos of me with rory and my whole training and um the story leading up to the race of which Ian was a part of too. And um, Ian, I don't know. Ian, did you think Chris was just crazy? What, uh, what were you thinking? Well, I, I have to say, well, I think actually, I mean, let's go right back to the beginning where Chris said to me, I'm going to do the marathon for, you know, marathon to Sava for, for together for cinema. I said, oh, great, Chris, that's super. I said, well, tell you what I'll do, mate. I'll, I'll come with you to Morocco and I'll just go from the hotel to hotel. We'll have a drink in the evening. I'll spur you on and, uh, and so on and and I thought it'd be a, a nice jolly but I felt I should be there to support him I had absolutely no idea what he was getting into I mean this is properly in the desert you know the only thing you see is camels and the odd the odd bivouac tent and so on so I didn't go with him um of course because it would have been crazy I don't think Chris had um he had a clue as to what he was getting into but I mean this is a properly hard challenge and I'll give you one day example there are six days of running. Well, in fact, seven, because the last day is very short. Seven kilometers sort of celebratory run, almost. Uh, but on the, I think it's the fourth day, is it, Chris, the longest day? So mm. the fourth day, they're not all exact marathons, but on the fourth day, they have a long day. So imagine this. You get up at 8.30 in the morning, and you put your jogging shoes on, and you run up and down the driest, sandiest hill that you can imagine in 42 degrees centigrade until midnight 
that was what Chris did effectively. Okay, there were certain areas that was a little bit easier to run on. Um, but that's 15 and a half hours, 80 kilometers, was it? Yeah, but 80 something kilometers, 85, 84 kilometers. Um, it, it just, it's not even comprehensible. You know, I, I did some cycling. I said to Chris, while, you know, while you're out there, while you're out there, I'll do my bit. I'll cycle a marathon a day. So I did. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a you know, 56-year-old, quite a cuddly chap. So, you know, it, it was it was still quite a challenge for me. I was knackered at the end of it. Right. Uh, I saw you were posting your, your cycling videos. Sure. Yes, I know. Yeah, don't show those, please. Just just put them in, <laughs> put them in the lead box. They don't need to be seen by anyone. But it was just me just trying to do something for, for my head, really. And also... You know, not that Chris needed any spurring on, but if he, the more he knew that was going on around it, the more his his daughters said, "Do well, Daddy," which is a phrase that resonates with Chris. You know, do well, you know, and he knew that everyone, the money that was people were donating and so on, it just drove him, drove him. So, but I, I mean, you've got to be driven anyway to do eighty odd kilometers in fifteen and a half hours. You know, it was it was extreme, genuinely extreme. And um, I have to say, and I will say this, because I know when Chris finished, he burst into tears. Um, and I still get emotional now, because all I want, I said to Chris, just get home safe, mate. Just, it doesn't matter if you don't finish, just get home safe. And so when he finished, um, I, I had tears in my eyes. Probably more so, because I still had 20 miles to go on my last bike ride. <laughs> and I just just actually finished my six marathons, and I had 20 miles to go, so... But it was it was actually a very intense and, and, and very emotional time for us all. So you know, Chris and I got very close over the last you know few months, and and you know, I, it's just going to say I love him. I do. I was part of me that loves Chris. I think he's just an incredible individual who has you know put his heart and soul out there for a good cause that I happen to be involved with. And um, but bigger than that, he's he's just the most. I think it's the most. It's, it's a fabulous message to send to people. If you're thinking about it go do it don't sit back and think about it go do it and you did amazing yeah absolutely chris uh what can you tell us about just some of the experiences that you had out there i know you said so your family stayed stayed back in the uk and it was it was just you what was the whole the the journey like when you were there the traveling the the day-to-day experience and like you said the kind of the the sleeping how was (laughs) how was that if you were actually able to sleep well the best way I can describe it, and um, you know, is it's like you've been taken captive in Mad Max, and you're being made to run each day to your next location, and you're being given water rations, um, just the right amount, barely enough, um, and you've got to just you're stripped back of who you are. You know, in your just number, my race number was five eight one. Then they insist on you saying it in French. So it was cinq cent quarante And you know, it's it's you're not you're no longer Chris Pinder, you're no longer um uh, the boss of people or 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 whoever you are just number five eight one and you've got to get checkpoint to checkpoint and um you just break it down like that and um you, you realize that, you know, we're all, the pe- your competitors are just all in the same boat as you. You've you, you all just got the, the task of um, getting one foot in front of the other and making it to the next checkpoint. And um, when you finish the day, you walk, you get given your one and a half litre bottle of water and you walk to your tent 
or your bivouac, which is basically a bit of carpet with two sticks in the middle. And you sleep as best you can and try and wake up the next day. But um, sleeping in the desert was difficult because this year was particularly bad for sandstorms. So the tent kept blowing away and sand was just constantly hitting you. If you had open skin, it felt like you were being jet blasted with a sand um, blaster. And it was just, it was quite an ordeal. And I think the fact that you, you're doing it with people around you and you, you, you're kind of supporting each other to get through the race. It was, it was not the sort of event that I thought it was going to be when I first started. It was way more extreme and way more, um, much more of an ordeal. It, it's not just a running race. It's an actual survival event because you've got to sustain yourself. All, all the food you have to carry in your rucksack. So there's, yeah, by the end of the race, by day six, I only had macadamia nuts left. Like, and the thing is, you finish, you, no, sorry, it's day five. I just only had macadamia nuts left. And I just finished the marathon stage, the last big stage. And I actually came 81st out of 900 people or something on that day. So I was really, really pleased. And instead of celebrating with a, a can of Coke or, um, you know, a, um, a, a nice large beer or, or, or a nice steak and chips, you go back to the tent just like any other day, open up your rucksack and, oh, I've got a few macadamia nuts and some warm water. <laughs> so, and it's just, it's a brutal race, but that's why people do it because, um, it, it, it makes you appreciate what we have um, in our day-to-day -day life back here in the, in the normal world. And, um, you know, one day in the desert, and I'll just turn that light back on. No, wait. <laughs> one day in the desert is nowhere near as hard as what some of these families and these children are facing in their, um, whilst they're in the hospice you know, in the, if you're in a hospice, we all know what that means. And um, it's far more tough than what I faced. And I had that on my mind as well. Thanks again to everyone who tuned into the CE Pro podcast in 2022. Be sure to check out the latest episodes on CEPro.com and visit our channels on YouTube, Apple and Spotify to subscribe and find past episodes as well.